Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Mark Sheeran and I will be talking today about how people break free from the addiction and recovery trap. We, along with our colleague Stephen Slate, wrote the Freedom Model for Addictions, Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap, and the Freedom Model for the Family. The Freedom Model offers a completely different approach to addiction that's actually based on the science. Uh, We offer two ways to learn the Freedom Model in private one-on-one classes, and the first way is at our beautiful private St. Jude Retreat, and we also will teach the classes through at-home Freedom Model private instruction program, which we do via Zoom. You can get information about these options at thefreedommodel.org, leaveaddictionbehind.com, and soberforever.net. So today, what we're going to talk about, because we we really kind of rail against the idea of replacement in our book, you know, because a lot of times uh, recovery is about replacing substance use with some other activity. And um, we're going to talk about when replacement might actually be helpful, but in a different sense, not in the sense that recovery uses it. Yeah, so recovery, um, the recovery society or culture, um, talks about, you know, you have to replace your drug and alcohol problem with a, uh, a, hobby, a hobby, right? A hobby, working out, stuff like that. We've talked a lot about this in the past, but I want to talk about a little different twist that isn't in the book. And that is this idea. I had a student uh, this past week who said, I might need to just temporarily replace my habit so that I can figure out where to go from there. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, a bridge replacement. You know, there's that sometimes there there does need to be a bridge yes. replacement, and um, I think this is a nuance that me and Steve and Michelle, when we were writing the book, missed at the time of the writing, and we talked a lot about it, but we never came up with the term. And I think that that I just did on the air. We wouldn't we hadn't discussed that term, but but bridge replacement. And let me explain. Let, let me go back first and talk about the problem with mindlessly replacing a substance use problem. So let's say that you you drink and drug heavily and you have a deep preference for the high because you still believe in the mythology that it provides all kinds of magical powers. And <clears throat> But those magical powers don't really exist and you're, you're finding out that your life is falling apart and you're having deep consequences as a result of your use. And so you mindlessly say to yourself, well, I got to stop this shit. Like my life is falling apart. I don't know why I like this. I am totally confused and I'm going to go down this path and uh, I need to just stop it and distract myself with some sort of replacement. That works for a little while, you know, and but here's the problem. If the goal isn't to stop mindlessly replacing and actually move on with your life by by challenging the benefits of the drug and changing your preference directly first, then you're gonna you're just gonna fail. You, you know you're gonna replace it for a little while, but you're gonna fail because your preference remains intact. And and so mindlessly replacing a substance use problem will not work in the long run. It just won't. Now, some people can eke out years of replacing the bar with an AA meeting, but that's because they actually like the AA meeting more than the bar. 
So that for a period of time, for a period of time, but we see these people after fifteen years of white knuckle sobriety end up getting shit faced because they still have the preference for it and they still believe that it has power. So that's not really a solution. That's a that's a feeling of being deprived of what you want for fifteen to twenty years. That's awful. I consider that awful. Well, there are those people though that find happiness for a period of time, right? Just what Mark said, they find happiness for a period of time and maybe they weren't white knuckling it. Maybe they were like, I am so much happier this way and there's a a whole lot of benefits to being abstinent. Um, But but still somewhere in their back of their mind, you know, they still believe in the magic of alcohol. They There's a part of them that longs for the good old days that that they might think about it once in a while and be like, oh, I just don't do that anymore. Um, and, and then sometimes they come upon the freedom model and they're ready to make a change. They've been going to AA for a long time and, um, and they haven't even realized they've been replacing it. Yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they weren't they didn't challenge the benefits. They still are thinking, um, wow, there, there's just some really good stuff about being drunk or being high. And and that's the, and of course they've learned that if they ever go out again, they're going to pick up right where they left off, which is not true typically. Um, most people that end up going back to their substance of choice do so moderately for a short period of time. Yeah. You know, and um, but if you but what Mark said is true, if you mindlessly replace it and even if you find some happiness in the replacement for a period of time, the, the key is here, if you haven't challenged the benefits, then when you do decide to go back to it, you may find yourself using as heavily as you did before. That's right. Because because there's still something about it you thought you were missing. You were depriving yourself of what you really like to do. And we've worked with so many people that genuinely love drinking. They they love being drunk. They love being high. Um, and and they believe they they need it on some level to be their happiest self. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So so sometimes Sometimes people will think, and I think we wrote the book in this fashion that there's there you, you challenge the benefits, uh, you find out what is true about the substance and how limited it is in its ability to make you feel good, right? It's just basically your body. It's it's a physical sensation, tickles the body, um, and and so then you would naturally get rid of that preference because you realize, well, it's, do I really want to spend all my time chasing this body high? And most people come to grips with the fact that they don't want to do that. But here's, but here's the problem. Not everybody can challenge the benefits as quickly as others. Right. You know, sometimes it's a process where they're going, no, it really, it kind of feels like it's, it's, changing me. It kind of feels like there's stress relief at the beginning of the high. It kind of feels like my anxiety goes away. So so they're not really convinced of the the data that we show in the book. Right. And so sometimes what needs to have happen is this idea of a bridge replacement. Maybe something that can distract you for a little while just to stop the cycle long enough to challenge the benefits completely and give yourself the opportunity because sometimes the habit is so entrenched and such a large part of your life. Maybe you are chasing drugs every day, you know? And maybe the thing to do is to just hop out of that daily habit, that routine that, uh, you know, that you're doing and replace it with something else temporarily, knowing it's a temporary replacement. 
See, that's the, that's the difference here is, you know, you, you, you know it's a, a temporary situation. But then have the change of mind, have the preference challenged adequately in that process while you're distracting yourself with maybe working out or whatever it might be, feeling better, right? Oh, yeah. Whatever it might be, going to cooking classes, whatever, and then and then move on. Because now the preference has been challenged with the facts and you gave yourself ample opportunity to figure that out. Sometimes you have to be sober to do that. Now, I also know a lot of people that have a massive shift in their thinking drunk and high. Oh, and yeah. Then, and then one day they go, you know what? I know it does. I did. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I did too. I was literally shit-faced in, uh, at an like, accident. I'm not going to do this anymore. Yeah, and I was done. <laughs> That's exactly right. But there was, and there was also a period of, for me, about three months of hardcore deliberation, drunk in right. my last bender, where I was realizing that alcohol didn't, didn't solve my issues anymore, nor did it ever. So, so it, we come to these conclusions differently. But if you find yourself in that ritual place where you're just getting hammered all the time and you're really unhappy about it, and you, well, maybe maybe you need to replace it temporarily with the motive to move on because replacing is different than moving on. Moving on is literally seamlessly just living your life without drugs and alcohol in your life anymore. And I used an analogy today with one of my students. I said, do you remember your first love? In high school, he goes, oh, yeah, I remember. Now, both of us, me and the student here, are in our 50s. He goes, I said, so do you daily say to yourself, geez, I got to think about my wife so I don't think about that girl? He laughed. He goes, no. I said, do you do anything that, you know, do you do you work on a recovery plan to make sure that you don't think about her? He laughed again. He goes, no. And I said, then why would you think you have to do that with alcohol? Why do you feel like there's some sort of maintenance plan that you need to do? You really can just move on from this. And he goes, oh, my God, that is a great analogy. He goes, I would never think about it. I said, I know, you, you, because you moved on, right? And, and the perceived benefits of that relationship at 16 years old in your 50s is absurd. It doesn't fit. You know, and I know that's one that you used in class too, Michelle, with, yeah. as, as a, we use these parallels to relationships. And... Uh, you know, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna have a recovery plan, a daily re- recovery plan to make sure that you don't, you know, go back to that girlfriend or boyfriend, right? Because you you're not interested in that person anymore. You've just moved on. Now, to get to the move on stage with your drug or alcohol problem might seem more difficult because of the mythology. It would be akin to saying that you that of our entire society telling you since you were born, you will always love your first love. Right. Never right. You're get, gonna pine away the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna you're gonna wish and you're gonna go back to that over and over forever. And and we all know that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But for whatever reason, we've chosen to double down on this alcohol and drug issue and say that people will pine away forever. You know you know what's interesting? It's a powerful myth. It is. It is. What's interesting is both Mark and I had similar experiences when we stopped. We were young. But I, I had about a six-month period where I had quit drugs, but I I didn't want to give up alcohol. But it I knew it was like a love-hate relationship I had with it. It was like I always used the – like it was abuse, an abusive lover, right? And, and it was – I felt like it was my only friend. I was very much wallowing in self-pity that whole six months. And, um, and when I decided to stop, I was – like I knew I never wanted to be like that again. 
right? But then I went to AA. And and the first week of AA, like all I heard were these people with years of sobriety saying how they still really wanted it. And they were still pining away for it. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> there is no, I mean, these people were much older than me. And I thought there is no way I'm going to be sitting here in five years or 10 years. That's This is not for me. I don't want to do that. And I... So I went from thinking I was totally done to my first six months in AA, denying myself what I thought I really wanted to do, even though I didn't really want to do it. Does that make sense? Well, it does make sense because you were being taught that. Yeah. You were being taught that there's, that, that this is- That it's got to be hard. Well, it's a love affair that you will have for the rest of your life. That is recovery. And that is the sad part. So the first myth you got to get, you, you got to destroy completely is this idea that recovery is necessary. And that's yeah. actually how the, the conversation started with my, with my student. And uh, he said, is, so is there any planning? You know, yeah, there, what am there, I supposed to do, yeah. right? And I said, you're supposed to have a change of mind. Yes. And he goes, it really is just that? And that's when I got into the girlfriend thing. I said, do you have a recovery plan to stay away from your first love? And, and it blew him away. He was like, no, I, no, I don't. I don't do that. <laughs> and he goes, as a matter of fact, I, I think about it, I'm really glad I never married her. <laughs> so I, I didn't ask any deeper than Me that. Me too. <laughs> mine, for sure. Mine, yeah, mine too. So I, I think that, so, so but here's the, the situation. You still may struggle with your love affair with your drug. Right. So you may feel like there needs to be some plan put in place to protect you from the thoughts of it. And the only thing that can do that is a distraction until you move on. When you move on, there's no connective tissue to the drug anymore in your mind. There's none of that. You don't sit around. You're not trying to actively replace it. You're not trying to distract yourself from it. You just move on. You've left it. But to get there, to get there in some situations, you may have to give yourself the opportunity the time to break that relationship you know now if you remember uh when you were young some of you might remember you have your first love then you break up and and you're pining away you are pining away for that person super sad super sad you're crushed but then you meet somebody new and you give it a chance and maybe it's a one night stand at first that's what i'm talking about that's a bridge replacement right you're like well i'm gonna I'm going to try this. I'm going to kiss another girl or guy, whatever. And and you like it. You're like, oh, I didn't think about my ex. And then two days goes by. You're miserable again. Then you try it again. You go out dating. You go to a concert. You hook up. You have fun. And all of a sudden now you've you got interested in somebody else and you move on with your life. Then there comes a point where the motive changes from a distraction to I like this new person more. Mm-hmm. And when that, that's the switch from a replacement to moving on. Think about the motive shift. One is I'm going to kiss this girl so I'm distracted from the thing I actually want, which is my ex. Or I'm going to now, I'm interested in this new person more than the ex. And you just, you're not, and then eventually you're not thinking about the ex at all, right? At all. Like it doesn't, that person doesn't exist anymore in your life. There's no emotional attachment. So when you let go of your emotional attachment, your love affair with the drug, you've moved on. I don't do anything 
in the service of my recovery because I don't believe I'm recovering from anything. There's nothing attached to my past with drug use or drinking. I literally don't think it's meaningless to me. Okay, so I'm just going to backtrack a little because he says a lot and then I I think of things while he's talking, but then he keeps going. (laughs) So I do understand, okay, there are times when maybe you're the person you're in love with breaks up with you, right? And you didn't really get a warning. So so you drink, you have this love affair with your substance and then something happens. You get a DUI, um, your spouse gives mm, you an ultimatum. You, you, you still are having a love affair with this substance, but, but you know, if I, I have to make this choice, I have to keep going, but I still really love it. And so there's this period of time where where like if you imagine somebody breaks up with you and then you're pining away and then you're sad and you're like you can't have what you want um i i think like when you're in recovery they tell you no big changes in the first year right well if that were me it's kind of like sitting there waiting to feel better before you go do something and if you find yourself doing that, if you find yourself like, well, I don't, you know, Mark, I don't like anything else. The only thing I've been doing for the last 10 years is drinking my, you know, my ass up. That's my entertainment. That was my recreation. And I really don't like anything else. Right. right. And I, and that, when you're at that place, we totally get it. Um, that's when you make that swing the bat list. Right. And you think, well, you used to like doing this. You know, I used to like going fishing. Maybe I'll try some of that. I used to like, um, you know, I have friends I haven't talked to in a while. Maybe I'll call them up and go hang out. I mean, a lot of times when you, when this thing happens, whether somebody, the love of your life breaks up with you or the substance, the love of your life, you have to stop it for some other reason other than the fact that you're ready to stop. Um, that's when this temporary distraction is really, really helpful. Uh, that's a great point. That's a great point. Go yeah. Ahead. So, so you know, that's when you. That's why we tell people, look, at, if you're in this situation, whether you it was your idea to want to try and stop your substance use habit, or you're doing it because you want to improve a relationship, to be able to advance at work, or whatever your your ultimate reason is for wanting to stop um hang on to that reason it's a good reason whatever it is it doesn't matter people say oh you you have to get sober for yourself well ultimately everything you do is for yourself so so even if you're saying i want to get sober for my kids um you're still doing it for you so that's that's totally you know bunk but you can whatever reason you have you kind of hang on to that reason if you have the freedom model you're reading the freedom model and then you start making a list of things that you're going to how you're going to live i mean basically it's living your life it's not sitting at home protecting yourself it's getting out in the world going back to some of the things that you used to really like and just doing different things, figuring out how you can be happier without substances. That's what this is about. That's right. That's right. And that's why we call it the swing the bat list. Now, some of this is not is not in the uh, current book. So you have to get the online program or private instruction in order to get the stuff just because we don't have it in the book yet. Um, and uh, some of you, if you, if you like this podcast, you may be interested in in doing the online program, yeah, uh, where we have all of this information pre-recorded in video form, and you can have that for um, 
four equal payments over four months, I think it is, or something. So we spread out the cost, and it's affordable for people. So yep. you may want to go to thefreedommodel.org, thefreedommodel.org, and look up the, the Freedom Model online program, because that's me and Michelle teaching you all this yeah. in, in video form. It's so, like 65 lessons. They're each about 15, 20 minutes apiece. Um, it's it's a, a pretty extensive program, and it has it has uh, all every lesson that we do when people come to the retreat or when they work with us on uh, Zoom. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So there's two. There's really three different options. You have the online program, or if you want to talk one on one with us, there's the uh, private instruction option. And then of course we have the retreat where people come and stay with us and we teach them one-on-one. So every single option is available to you. So, um, so yeah, this nuance of, of just trying to move forward in any way, shape or form is going to eventually land you in a, in a better place because anything that breaks the cycle of, Oh, this drug is my only Avenue to happiness charade right right anything that breaks that is to your benefit it, it, you, you can't lose by trying and so it's just here's my point uh, and the point of this whole thing is sometimes it's not clear-cut sometimes our motives are mixed and we're really confused but you just got to try some things so if if you really have an intact preference for heavy intoxication it's very real to you uh, and you don't know what to do, the first thing to try is is maybe replace it with something else temporarily as you challenge the benefits. But if you're not challenging the benefits, you're never going to fully get over this problem because your preference has to be challenged. It has to be destroyed. It has to be changed um, in order for a permanent solution to, to happen. You can't have your preference be, oh, I like to get hammered all day every day and chase drugs. And not do it. You know, you're going to go in the direction of your likes. Yeah, especially if you still believe that that is a necessity. That I mean, when I quit drinking, I didn't quit. Honestly, I I was just done. I didn't want to be drunk anymore. Um, I wasn't willing to pay the high cost for being drunk anymore. And and I, but I was. I didn't. I don't think I quit consciously thinking, "Oh, I'm going to be so happy sober." Right. I, I didn't at all, um, but I I definitely was opened my mind to the possibility that I could be. Yeah, yeah, and and in my case, I think I was a little more direct. I watched Michelle struggle, um, and she definitely struggled more than I did personally because I did a lot of my struggling sitting in that room for three months prior. Right, so mm-hmm. so mine was maybe a little more of a clean split. And I was willing to move forward and I was kind of excited, but I was, my life was in shambles. So I had a lot of challenges I had to deal with in, in my first year of getting straightened out. Um, but here's, here's what I know. Everybody changes the same way. They, once your gaze goes to the future and goes to a better place without drugs or alcohol, and you've challenged, challenged the, your preference and you've, you've said, no. The drugs and alcohol don't make me as happy as they once did. I know that for certain. Um, then you're gonna you're gonna progress. Then if you need something to temporarily, you know, sort of replace the drug habit with because the ritual is so ingrained in your life, then do that. Just do that. Take some action. Um, and sometimes you do the action and the mind follows. But here's what I know: if you mindlessly try to change something, 
completely mindlessly. And that's, I'm just going to replace it. Yeah. Out of fear. I'm going to go to the gym. Yeah. Out of, <laughs> out of fear. I mean, literally without any motive to challenge the preference, you're not going to make it very long. It's just, you're always going to do what you want to do. So if your preference remains unchecked, you will not move on. You won't get to that final stage of moving on. No matter how many bridge, you know, uh, replacements you build into your life, they're going to fall away to your preference, your actual deep preference for heavy intoxication. So that needs to get challenged no matter what we're talking about here. And I want to make that clear. Without preference change, your preference remains intact, and that's what you really want to do, and no distraction is going to last forever. Yeah, and that's the other reason um, we, we strongly recommend that if you want moderation, um, but your substance use is a daily activity. It's something that's so entrenched in your life. Um, and it's so important to have that period of abstinence for many people. I mean, some people, they, they get to, they moderate and it's quick and it's easy and painless and they do it and they're like, oh, that's all I needed. Um, but a lot of people, when substance use has become a daily part of their life and they use it in a way that is continuous, um, that period of abstinence is pretty important so you can show yourself you don't need it for any reason. And that's why we talk about um, having some kind of temporary replacement distraction um, that, you know, when you, because you're going to think about it, right? It's a daily part of your life. Right. It's going to pop into your mind multiple times throughout the day. Um, and I don't think, you know, if you're somebody that's going to start working out and stuff that you're going to drop down and do 10 push ups every time you think of, you know, shooting heroin, right. uh, <laughs> that's kind of silly. Um, but if you, if, if your distraction is, you know, I'm, I'm working on becoming healthier. Um, and you know, you might, you might take a walk. You might, I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of things you can do, but, but typically it really is every time that thought comes into your head, instead of ruminating on it and thinking, I really need that. Um, you can actually in your mind say, oh, I'm not doing that right now. You don't have to say I'm never doing it again. You can say, I'm not doing that right now. Um, I'm getting healthier. You focus on the benefits and you move on with your day. That's exactly it. Yep. So I think we're, we're about done with this topic, yeah? Yes. So uh, if you want more information about this, uh, go to the Freedom Model Online program. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. If you or someone you know is seeking help for a substance use problem or another habitual behavior problem or want help breaking free and moving past recovery as well, you can reach us at 888-424-2626 or through our websites at thefreedommodel.org, leaveaddictionbehind.com, and soberforever.net. At thefreedommodel.org is our hub. We offer a bunch of free resources and information, including videos, these podcasts, our eBooks, and you can also get digital editions of our books for free, which are the Freedom Model for Addictions and the Freedom Model for the Family. Um, and that's at our website. Enter coupon code FREEDOM100 at checkout. You can also get paperback and Kindle versions on Amazon 
or one of the other online retailers. If you have questions and you want to reach us, you can always call our toll-free number 888-424-2626 or email us info at thefreedommodel.org. Follow us on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and subscribe to the Freedom Model YouTube channel. You can join our Facebook groups. They are private. So you can discuss your experiences breaking free from addiction and perpetual recovery. They are the Freedom Model Group, Moving Beyond Addiction and Recovery, and Families Moving Beyond Addiction and Recovery. And there are some great Leaving AA groups and deprogramming from AA groups on Facebook as well. Check those out. From everyone here at the St. Jude Retreat in the Freedom Model, we wish you well. Until next time.